Hello, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Kenita Skripsma, and I'm the founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting. Thank you for joining us today here at Growing Forward Together. If you would like to know more about what SEMA Global Consulting does, please feel free to head over to our website at semaglobalconsulting.com and drop us a note through the contact page, whether it's about this topic today on finances or anything else we've um, shared over the last year. We are approaching our one-year anniversary soon and very excited to see the different topics that we've had so far and excited for what's ahead. So we thank you for joining us and we look forward to possibly hearing from you more through our website again. Um, and we um, look forward to just connecting with the topic of inclusion, leadership development, or anything else that you might find interesting on our website. So today's topic is about finances in the midst of a transition. All right, folks, we have transitioned from a brutal year of 2020, and that is just from a social, um, you know, a, a season, a year that was overwhelming for many of us, and yet it was good in some ways and again, challenging in other ways. And so one of the ways that I think a lot of people felt the stress of 2020 was through finances. And we've kind of come to discover that sometimes we bring those stresses on ourselves with overspending or underspending when we don't get the things that we need to get. And so, um, or we, we end up in situations where it's a surprise, right? So bills are regular and they keep coming. And so we have to keep up on them, but then we have to decide between our wants and our needs. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with, is this a want or is this a need? And so finances, you know, the money, the income, is there an income? And I think in 2020, what was so devastating to so many of us is that people were losing jobs left and right. The, in, the restaurant industry was being affected and families and um, children were being affected in different ways because of the finances that their parents couldn't bring in. So I just thought it would be a great idea to connect with my dear friend, Bill, and um, who also goes by the name William. So what would you like us to call you today, Bill, William or William. Bill? I've been William for a few years now. Thank you. Okay. Sounds good. I know you better as Bill, but that works for me. So <laughs> William um, is here today as our guest, and he's going to be sharing some thoughts and some tips and some best practices around managing finances, especially during a transition. And the reason this conversation struck up with us was because my husband and I are in the process of relocating uh, ourselves, but more along the lines of our business, to another country. And so we're in this deep transition. And so when William and I had a conversation a few months ago, it just seemed really appropriate that maybe there are other people going through transitions and need a little encouragement with finances. And so um, I would like you all to welcome my guest today. His name is William Wiarda. He is an investor, coach, and um, it, with Cornerstone Wealth Partners, my apologies. He's also a financial coach with Dave Ramsey's organization, Ramsey Solutions. He is a champion of the free market investing strategy and what I really appreciated about Bill and a lot of the conversations we had, his heart was really for people. And he's passionate about helping people make short money decisions and smart money decisions, along with helping them realize personal freedom from debt. And so one of the conversations we had 
was around, you know, what are some of the best practices during the transition um, with finances? And so with, without further ado, Phil, I welcome you. I mean, I'm sorry, William, I welcome you. Okay. And uh, we can roll with that. Yeah, sounds good. So many years of knowing you as Phil um, and so, as a friend. And so um, welcome. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, finances and, and where, wherever you'd like to start, if you'd like to share more about what you do, what you're passionate about, um, and then maybe talk about helping us better understand what does financial stability really look like? Yeah, sure. Thank you for the introduction, uh, Kanita. Um, so the, the conversation is extremely relevant with everything that's been happening uh, with COVID. Like you mentioned, lots of people out of work. Um, and uh, as, as many of the states are, are letting go of their lockdown or, or sort of loosening restrictions, um, a lot of those industries are getting back to things, but, um, but it's not back to normal yet. Um, we were seeing some pretty record lows uh, for unemployment um, for the last couple of years before uh, the pandemic hit. And then, you know, shortly within a month or so um, of the big announcements um, uh, on the virus, you know, uh, and all of, the, all of the shutdowns that happened after that, uh, we were almost up to 15% unemployment. So it represented a lot, a lot of families out of work um, and not bringing in income. Um, by August, that had jumped back up to 8.4%. Um, over the summer months, uh, a lot of industries and um, things figured out, okay, um, you know, we're, we're figuring out better ways to combat the virus. We're figuring out better ways to stay safe. Um, and, and so things were opening up. So back to 8.4% 8, 8 around August. And then um, uh, right now we're at about 6.5, 6.7. I think I saw a stat the other day um, on that. So, uh, so things are moving in a really great direction, but still a lot of people out of work. And, and some of those that, um, that lost employment uh, around the pandemic may not be getting back into work uh, in the same industry. So a lot of them have had to retool, rethink um, where it is they're going and, and what's available. And uh, I'm, I'm betting that a lot of people um, jumped on board a new, uh, a new job that was not on their career path, was not even on their radar, but they're making decisions um, based on you know, what, what I need to do to uh, make my family operate, what I need to do to move things forward. And, um, and so I can certainly appreciate the tenacity of, of uh, Americans all over the place that are, you know, doing what it takes to help not only their own family, but in doing that for their own family, they're helping the rest of us um, uh, bring things back to as close of a normal as we can expect, I think, for the, for the moment. And hopefully this will continue to increase. Um, the question on financial stability is really a, a fun one because, um, where, where do we measure that uh, any day, regardless of a pandemic or otherwise? Um, you know, Dave Ramsey puts out a stat that uh, I think is around 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That's just, that's, that's astounding, right? So um, tons of Americans can't cover a $1,000 $1, emergency if something comes up. Um, and that's, that's before the pandemic. Um, I think I saw another study that put that mark around 63%, but that was only, um, that was only a survey of about 2,000 people. So um, you really want a bigger cross-section. 
Um, so if, I could, if I could just interrupt briefly, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not a numbers person. Uh, we've laughed and talked about that before, but, and I, and I imagine a lot of my listeners aren't big into numbers. And so can you kind of break down some of those percentages just to kind of give us a, like a tangible look at what does that mean when, you know, you, I think you said 8.5% is not employable or isn't, um, isn't employable? 8.5% uh, was the unemployment rate in August. So yeah. that meant, um, so that meant uh, about eight out of every 100 people. Nice. Um, so, it, you know, out of 100 people, you think, well, it's maybe it's kind of low. Um, uh, 15 out of 100, certainly you, you're feeling that, you're noticing that more. Um, today's rate uh, would be six out of 100 people or so. Yeah. All right. Yep. So now, now on the flip side of that coin, 76% of people uh, living paycheck to paycheck, that means... 76 out of 100 people yeah, or seven out of 10. That's 10 people that you know, seven of them are, are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And do you so, think that's, that's, it's part of inflation? It's part of like life choices. Are there, what are some factors that play into that? Yeah, it's, um, it's our culture. I mean, we, you know, we're a very demanding culture. We want what we want. We want it now. Um, and we want it the way we want it. So, um, so those are definitely choices, but I, I think in, you know, if you get into the um, psychology of it, we don't, we don't really perceive them as choices. We see them as, um, as the way that the, the way that things work. And this is what we need, need to do in order to sort of keep up and stay ahead. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know really anybody that, that looks at, um, looks at their livelihood and says, well, you know, if only I could get that new, you know, Mustang convertible GT like our neighbor did. I don't see that much, you know, outright comparison or envy happening, but there is something that creeps into the subconscious, right? Mm -hmm. That says, you know, I have to have internet. I have to have Netflix. I have to have these things in order to sort of uh, determine for myself that we're, that we're stable, that we're doing okay. Um, and it's, it's not true. Um, so the, the, thing that, uh, the thing that I wanna try to coach folks to is, is not looking at stability or necessarily a budget, but looking at your finances more like your lifestyle. Mm. I feel like the phrase, yeah. even um, with the word style in it, helps people to understand that these are choices that we make. Yep, and right? they're gonna look different for each person and each family and each yep. situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if you if you take a cross section of America, you have families that are that are making it work um, at eighty thousand, you know, um, and then you've got another family that's uh, that's making it work at two hundred thousand. Okay. Um, now, both of them are going to tell you that, yeah, I don't know that I could do it on much less. And they both would probably tell you that it would be great if we had a little more. Mm. But yeah. then. Sorry, What's I also, heard, yeah, I heard a quote one time, somebody said that, how much is enough? Oh, just a little more. Yeah. And I can't remember who said that. So it, when you said that. It, it's never enough. Mm -hmm. and, and what's funny is if, if you take those families and you juxtapose them with another family of six that I happen to know personally, that's making it work on 40,000. Right, right. So, okay, you're, you're going to tell me that 80,000, you know, you can't make it work on a little less, 200,000, you can't make it work on a little less. Yeah. I've seen it done. Sure. It can be done. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's our perception of the thing. 
So you need to get into the belief systems and what it is, what is it that we think about these things rather than, you know, um, rather than the reality of it. Okay. So you're saying belief on things and belief about money, right? And the need mm -hmm. for it, want for it, that kind of idea. Right. So, so we want to get into talking about um, lifestyle rather than, rather than budget, rather than, you know, budget has become such a familiar <laughs> term that you already have a perception of, okay, well, you know, um, I need to have the things that we already have. I can't do with less than that. So if we, if we can change the word on it, then maybe we can change the approach to it. True. And yet I think when we say budget, I think it feels like it levels the playing field for two different people that do it, do life different way, differently. Mm -hmm. um, and when we say lifestyle, all of a sudden it sounds a little judgmental. I think, oh. I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> and I'm like, I really like that. I like that angle of wanting to say, you know what, I'm going to make lifestyle choices around my finances. I'm going to okay. you know, do it differently, right? Like I, I feel very comfortable and confident saying that. And that's kind of how we live in our home as well. Yeah. Um, but the reality is it's still the budget, right? It's still, where is it coming from the money and the income is different for this family compared to that family or this individual and that individual. But the word lifestyle allows us also then from a positive spin to live into our own stories and be authentically who we are, right? So I think for us, as, as I was um, pondering some of this work that you're doing, but then also um, how my husband and I, like I said, we're relocating, has um, really put a strain on our finances and completely changed how we are making choices with different things. And definitely the pandemic's helping. We're not going out as much and, you know, if at all. And so, um, but as we move and consider what the, the money, the dollar value is in the country that we're going to, uh, there's a whole different switch, right? And there's a whole different change for us in our mind mindset on what is going to work, what needs to work, what do I need to do differently with my finances, that sort of thing, right? Yep. So can you, can you kind of lean into a little bit as you talk about lifestyle, what are some practices, uh, maybe some best practices that you would encourage people going through an expected or unexpected transition. So in our case, it's an expected transition, you know, maybe in someone else's case, they have a health diagnosis and the bills are just stacking up. And that's just kind of a shocker because they're still dealing with the health crisis. And now that's causing more bills and more financial strain. What are some best practices that you can encourage people with in, in that transition of dealing with their finances? Yeah, so, um, so the mental shift continues, right? Um, uh, we talk about one word here, but a bigger piece of this puzzle is all about purpose. So what you and Ken are doing um, in moving to India and the things that you're gonna be doing there um, very much centers around you know, life calling. These are huge shifts, not, not only in where you're living, but how you're living and, and what it's all for. Um, that's a bigger piece of the puzzle that you wanna get to um, as early as you can. If you're, if you're thinking about moving into a transition, um, then you need to be considering what is this for? What is this accomplishing in my life? What am I able to accomplish through this opportunity um, into the next phase of my life? And ultimately with the question of, you know, if, uh, if, I, if I die tonight um, or, you know, if I'm if 65 years from now, um, uh, get to the age 65 or, or so, um, looking back on my life, then what, what is it that I have done? And am I satisfied? Did I leave it all out on the floor? Um, 
and that I do everything that I had set out to do, um, that I do everything that God had called me to. And um, if the answer is yes, then you're on a great track. Then keep moving forward with the direction that you have in front of you. If the answer is no, then, then take some time and reevaluate that. Get some feedback from friends, family, um, get a coach, um, somebody that can challenge you, poke and prod and say, hey, um, this direction that you're headed is not the one that you wanted to be heading in. Um, I think a lot of us would look back on our life um, and say, yeah, I don't know that I planned on being in this spot at this time, but here I am. And so how did that happen? Well, the next, you know, the next 20 years, the next 30 years might go the same way, sort of, you know, these odd happenstance occurrences. And if we can be more intentional with that, because we have the end of the line or the goal identified, um, that's going to drive all of the other decisions along the way. And then, and then you start putting into things like, um, uh, like the budget practices, you know, you figure out where you're going to, um, where you're going to be spending money, where you're going to not. Um, all of that stuff comes out of who you are and what you believe, right? So our, our beliefs lead us to actions, which then lead us to results. Um, so we're not, not necessarily su surprised by the results, but if we want to change those results, we need to go back to the beginning, which is the way that we think about it. Okay. That's really great. I was just making a note on what you just said. And you said, you know, your beliefs impact your actions and then you get results. So is it fair to say that if someone has a certain belief system around money, whether it's culture that plays into it, whether it's faith that plays into it, whatever their belief is about things and money, that they will act a certain way. And then from that, they'll get certain results, right? Is that kind of the, that's the tra trajectory that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we see that a lot with investing now. Um, uh, we, we teach our, our clients to, uh, to adopt a, a free market strategy, which is um, in, in a very short um, uh, description, a very diversified portfolio that rebalances regularly. Um, and ask me questions about any of this stuff later too. But um, that that takes advantage of uh, as many um, stocks and countries as are available, um, rather than trying to pick winners and losers, um, trying to predict what the next winner is going to be. So if we're if we're interacting with someone and, and they say, well, you know, I I really think Amazon is going to do well this year. Well, okay, that's that's a school of thought. It's not ours, um, but if you believe that Amazon is going to do really well this year, then you, you might take an action, which is to invest some money in Amazon, right? Okay. Now, the outcome of that might be you were right or you were wrong. And, it, and Amazon doesn't really care what, what you think. It doesn't influence their stock price, right? Um, but the result of that could be that you might lose money. You could gain money or you could lose money. But you wouldn't be surprised by the result either way, sure. right? You know, and I, I think that's really important to think about too, though, because I'm wondering if somebody who believes a certain thing about money and what it does for us, um, and then, you know, makes a decision based on what that belief is, and, and culturally, even in some cultures, it's taboo to talk about money, even, mm -hmm. or it's even, you know, you just don't want to consider it. And sometimes in our faith language as well, um, we tend to not think about money or not talk about money because you know a lot of people believe that money is the root of all evil and so it starts to add extra stress and so people don't want to pay attention to it and all of a sudden it's like oh 
we're in a bad place right now. So I think it's, yeah, I like how you're talking about belief and, and it's important to also highlight that, you know, from a cultural standpoint or faith standpoint, um, that people are believing certain things about that, because I don't think we really go back to that. I remember early in our marriage when we talked about money, um, it was really quite an interesting learning curve because in the home that I grew up in, we didn't talk about money. Us kids didn't have a clue what the parents were working on or doing. Um, they actually spoke in a completely different language. And I remember the one word from it, uh, from that language, and it meant money. So I knew they were talking about the finances. Mm. In my husband's family, uh, it was very private again, and it wasn't talked about, right? So here we are as parents and now empty nesters and now in a major transition in our own story. And we're really having to understand it in a completely different space and also appreciate what our beliefs are about money, how it comes to us, how we make it, what we need for it. Um, and then it'll, it's gonna give us different uh, results. And you said earlier, you know, if you, want to, if you want different results, you need to make different choices. And I love how you talk about it being a lifestyle that's impacted by our beliefs, which then lead to our actions, and then we get results. Yeah, and uh, we call that uh, phenomenon there the no-talk rule, and I grew up with it as well. Oh, did so, you? Okay. And, and our parents did not get together and plan this. That's just the way that it's, it's gone, right? So um, can, can we agree to be agents of change about that situation and talk about finances with our kids um, to help them grow up in a different reality? I mean, uh, this country where we have so many Americans that are in, in student loan debt, yeah. Uh, that's that's through the roof and they can't figure out a way to pay it off uh, in their lifetime. Everybody's just making minimum payments. I mean, that's not everybody. I, I meet quite a few that I'm proud of and they're, they're really tackling this stuff head on. But, um, but it's, it's crazy to think, you know, how, how do we get ourselves into a situation like that? So, um, so not talking about it is not getting us where we want to be. Fair enough, fair enough. And it's fair to say that some cultures are very private and so in that respect, it's like, that's just not going to happen. And yet, if we want a different life for our kids, we need to have these conversations. We need to have these yep. dialogues and we need to tap into the resources that are available to us as well, right? Yeah. And it doesn't always, it doesn't always have to be, here's the struggle of mom and dad, but it can be, hey, here's some things that we're learning. And this would be good for you to learn at your age so that you're better off maybe, you know, than we were at that time. Yeah. So, so you talked about debt, right? You, you moved, so let's move towards um, how to solve that debt problem. Um, I don't know that we can solve it, but I'm sure that you've got some great tips and tools on how to help folks with a debt problem, right? Whether it's a really small one or a larger one, like some of our students that might be listening that yep. have student loans, what are some effective ways that they can attack their debt? I know you're really passionate about that and um, perhaps you can offer some solid information around that? Yeah, the, uh, uh, the number one thing to do is get a coach, uh, number one. Um, and I say that uh, it doesn't have to be me. Um, it might not be Kanita, although you really should get Kanita uh, on your side because <laughs> she, can, um, she can help you with some of these belief issues um, maybe here. So, um, uh, but the other piece is, is just, you know, if, if, it, if it made very easy sense and a way to get out of where you were at, we probably wouldn't be in that situation right now to begin with, right? So, um, so if we want to do things, uh, sorry, I don't know if you're hearing those notifications. Um, uh, if we want to make sure that we're on a different track going forward, let's not let's not make the same 
decisions that we made leading up to where we're at. So we can, we can all benefit from outside perspective. My son gets this really well at football. Um, he's got a coach on the football field and then, you know, the, the coach can speak life into him and, and Hey, try this and do this differently. And this sort of thing. He receives that really well in the football field. And then he comes home and um, gets some advice from his parents and he just blows it out. Ah, uh, yes. This <laughs> <laughs> is the way we are sometimes, but um, uh, that can be a really big benefit just to um, see some things, see your blind spot for what you're not seeing. Um, the second is the Dave Ramsey snowball method. Um, we're super big fans of Dave Ramsey and the, the common sense that he brings to the equation here. Paying off the smallest debt first. So you get momentum, you get some excitement, you get some drive around the effort, and then parlay that the savings that from the first loan into the second loan, drive that one until it's paid off, and so on and so on. Um, in the case of some student loan debts, if um, uh, if you've got anything really, you know, 10,000 or more, it may be worth looking at a consolidation situation so you can get your interest rate down and your monthly payment down. But, um, but the monthly payment, um, you, you don't want to, you don't really want to engage that uh, um, at the lowest you can. You really want to put more towards it um, and, and get it paid off as quickly as you can. So, so, so don't settle for that monthly payment is what I'm saying there. In the one case, less is more, but then in the second case, you're saying more is more? Like that's good? I'm not a numbers girl. I'm not following completely, but I'm sure you're able to explain that. Um, well, some people will look at, um, at debts and, and say to pay off the one with the higher interest rate first. Oh, and, um, and that makes numbers sense, but if, if you're not a really disciplined type person, mm. um, then the motivation that you'll get out of paying off a small debt will really carry you um, with, with some positivity to and energy to pay off that next one and then to pay off the next one. So okay. that's, uh, so we like that method. It works for a lot of the people that, that we connect with. Okay, so that actually points back to lifestyle again, right? Having discipline in your lifestyle with the finances mm -hmm. so that you're able to then keep chipping away at the debt and you know, just keep being consistent with that would be a life, a form of lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you have to choose it for a time. And uh, the, the more disciplined, the, uh, the, the more dedicated that you can be to the cause of paying off the debt, this is where the purpose comes in because um, without, without seeing the big picture and knowing where you're going to go for the long term, um, you know, why would I, why would I pay an extra $500 a month on top of my already payments? when I can just use that money to, you know, um, keep doing some of the, the great things that I, that I enjoy doing, mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's the benefit? You've got to be able to see the forest for the trees on that. Um, and if you can, then, then you'll, you'll get some more motivation about paying that off, uh, as it goes and, um, and having that, that extra voice of encouragement, um, uh, can that extra person can also help you see, Hey, um, what are you thinking about? You know these five items um, over here. Is there a way we can sharpen the pencil on that stuff? So, okay, so helping you be a little less attached to yeah. to the numbers. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that. I think those are some great tips. So first, you start with a coach, preferably a financial coach, someone that knows and understands the language around money. Um, and thanks for the shout out for um, a transformational coach in my story. Thank you. Uh, William. Second, mm -hmm. you want to connect with the Dave Ramsey snowball method was what you were saying. And 
I think that um, we actually used his method in the beginning um, of our marriage. We had the envelope system and, and we, oh, great. we've used that over and over and over again um, in our season of marriage um, over the last 27 years. And what did you say number three was? Uh, the third one would be uh, just take a look at uh, uh, what else is needed. So if, um, if you're continually feeling the pinch on, on the budget, um, then take a look at, you know, what, what promotion at work can you be seeking after? What, what side gig or, or side job can you pick up? Um, are there some extra hours available for some overtime pay? Um, things like that. You know, um, I think most of us can sharpen our budget to, to a point, right? And then after that point, it's like, well, you know, where else is the money coming from? And um, rather than just, you know, believing that this is all there is, um, let's, let's, you know, let's dig a little deeper and say, you know, are there three hours on the weekend when my kids are already in bed, when I could be driving an Uber or a Lyft? Um, it, are there a couple hours during the day if, um, uh, if somebody's, you know, uh, at home during the day, kids are at school, can I go out and do some groceries for somebody else? You know, those are all uh, buying and selling things on marketplace. A lot of people will sell things just to get them out of their house because they don't want to deal with the hassle of it. And they're going to give you a really low price. So you can buy that stuff, turn it around for what it's actually worth and, um, and earn some money that way. So there's a lot of great ways in our, um, with our technology today that, that we can enhance where we're at. Okay. So to get creative with looking at what our resources are is what I'm hearing you say. Is that pretty mm -hmm. accurate? Like, yeah. you know, I think even it was interesting when we were selling our house last year, um, in, in starting this transition, um, I was really looking around going, oh my word, like we actually sold so many items within the house that helped pay for the renovations we needed to do in the house. And fortunately, my husband was able to do a lot of the renovations himself. And, um, you know, then that just kind of put the money back in the house and it gave us a good return at the end uh, with the price that we got for our house. Right. So Amen. it was like a, it just kind of fed itself. And, and I think it was a, a, a great, uh, a great way to use what we already had. So yeah, I definitely support that and encourage other folks yeah. to look around, be creative, what is available in your home to liquidate, right? But then again, that goes back to belief. Um, you know, my, it's like, what do we believe about money? The liquidating of the things and making the money and using it for what? Like you have to be disciplined, it's your lifestyle as you're using those terms to help us journey along in that space, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and the, the purpose, the belief shapes all of that. So, you know, if, if my priority is family um, and I'm, I'm crowding my house with stuff on shelves and things and toys and, you know, I, I have to at some point ask myself, you know, is my priority really family or is my priority some of these other things? Yeah. Um, so it, it gets a little clouded and then, and then you you know, you put yourself back to uh, uh, making a choice about it. Um, great example for that, for me too, Kenita, is uh, I started um, uh, December with $400, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, uh, through the course of buying and selling some things through Marketplace and so on, um, I, ended, uh, I ended up buying about $300 worth of Christmas presents, um, giving away $200, and I still have $400. So um, this is only, you know, 20 days into January here. So, you know, buying and flipping a lot of that stuff has allowed me to, um, you know, focus actually 
where my money is more important. So it is more important for my family. I'm able to uh, gift and bless, bless them and, um, and be generous with other people. Um, it's just, it's, it's a fantastic feeling. Yeah. I think you're giving some people hope that they can be creative. They can be innovative. They can build into their skills and their talents and their time and their treasures, right. To be able to help themselves get out of debt. Um, and yet there's a population of marginalized communities that just are trapped in those spaces. And Mm -hmm. I definitely want the listeners to hear your passion around engaging with mentoring opportunities for uh, individuals in marginalized communities or people that aren't aren't set up in a way that can freely look around their house and sell stuff and you know get that perfect job and whatever can you can you talk a little bit more and I loved how we dialogued about it before just your passion around mentoring young people uh, young entrepreneurs uh, to help them um, get financially further along and not necessarily completely stable but um, what, what does that mean in your story? If we would it's, love to um, it's, it's opening up uh, what a possible future could be like, right? You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm growing up in, in a, a community, then um, there's a way that, that the culture around me sets boundaries for what's possible in my life, um, whether it's true or not. Um, and, and some of that stuff is ingrained in, in different cultures around the United States. Um, because of history that we've been through together. Um, and, and it includes a lot of struggle, right? Um, so so there, are, there are people that are growing up today that believe that I'm only going to get so far or I'm going to only be able to live in certain places or I'm only going to live to a certain age because that's, that's what's happening in, in my direct neighborhoods, right? And so you, you grow up believing that stuff and... Um, some of those things, if it's if it's based on you know the um, uh, the physical uh, the heredity of of a person or a family line or whatever, I, I can't stand against that necessarily. But I will say even that that uh, the mental well being of a person can go a long way to you know lengthening life and overcoming health obstacles um, at the same time as uh, overcoming financial obstacles and. And physical, um, you know, uh, geographical boundary lim- limitations. I mean, you think about redlining and some of the things that happened with real estate in our nation's history. How unhelpful and unhealthy that is. And even generations later, we're seeing the impact of that stuff. Um, and uh, it's not good. It's not good. And um, and those policies have been done away with now right. for some time. Yeah. But. Uh, there's a thought pattern that persists and, and it needs to be overcome. So how is it overcome? It's overcome through conversation. It's overcome through doors that are opening. It's overcome by people that are willing to stand for change mm-hmm. um, and, and showing, showing people that, that new things are possible, even though we thought that they weren't. Right. So, um, so some of that's going to happen in mentoring um, that, that I'm engaged in. Um, some of that's going to happen in the coaching that we do with clients. And I would say for somebody that's um, uh, living in, in one of those communities or cultures that's a, that thinks I can't get ahead, um, that number one, it's not true. God, God loves you just as well as he loves me and Kanita and, and our families. And there are opportunities here for, for you and your family, um, just as there are for lots of others. 
And uh, so let's talk about that. Let's let's dissect it a little bit. Yeah. What is the what is the thing that you think think can't be accomplished? And then let's make a plan on how to accomplish that very thing. Sure, sure. And yet, you know, obviously being very mindful that the systems that are in this country that have been put in place um, are very um, uh, they're 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 put in place in such a way that's causing a lot of tension and pain and grief for a lot of people, right? So even and the inability to get ahead. And so I think I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think there is that you know, uh, need to think differently and act differently. And sadly, a lot of our systems are set up in such a way that uh, people are blocked. But what I'm hearing you saying more specifically is for folks to get creative, have the conversations, find a coach, have the dialogue, at least look at what your options might be. And it might not be where you want them to be, but maybe it's a little less than, and you're able to, um, individuals are able to at least learn different ways of doing things, right? At the end of the day, we don't know what we don't know. And mm -hmm. when we can dialogue with folks that have uh, resources like yourself around finances and um, you know connections and, and we can have some of these conversations, then um, it helps us open our worlds up a little bit more. So I think what I'm hearing you say more, you know, for people that are out there listening, like, well, because of systemic racism, I can't do X, Y, and Z. And I think what you're maybe saying to them is, you know, let's have a dialogue, let's connect, let's look at what our options are, let's look at where your options are, and at least if we take one step towards the dream, then that's going to be that much more effective than sitting in that space and saying, I can't do anything at all. And I believe we can, I can just take it beyond one step. I believe that that one step yep. is going to be momentum for a second and a third and a fourth. That's great. Yep, the momentum is key. Um, so thank you. I appreciate your insight and just your direction on a lot of this. Are there any closing thoughts that you'd like to give our listeners today around finances or debt or anything that you've talked about today? Yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot more here. Finance is, uh, is, is just a, a really expansive topic. Mm -hmm. And so if you had questions on, you know, uh, home budget, the income, um, you know, trying to put yourself in a position for that next promotion or, or line up for the next job, um, you know, what do I do with all these 401ks that are stacking up from a previous job? Um, there can be stress around that. Um, how do I save for the future? Um, given that I only make, you know, X, Y, Z, um, that all has to be part of the discussion. So any, any of those items we're, we're open to talk through and, and coach clients through, um, more than, uh, more than, uh, uh open to, to, engage that conversation with any of your listeners. So give us a shout. Great. Thank you so much, William, for joining us today on the show. I really appreciate that. Um, if For the listeners, feel free to go to my website at semaglobalconsulting.com and you will see the blog with William's um, contact information there to reach out to him for any questions you might have or any um, clarifications you might want to make around this topic of finances. Um, Perhaps you're in your own journey of debt reduction, and maybe if you have some more ideas of, of what people can do, or um, you would like to have a further dialogue with him about uh, using some of those resources that he suggested, you know, you'll be able to contact him through our, uh, the blog site at the website, the blog page through the website, sorry. And um, I just really am so thankful. I've learned a lot today, and I thank you, William, for teaching me yet again more things about not just finances, but the impact of belief and how um, that leads to our 
you know, our actions can change, um, especially in the finance arena. Um, we don't often think about it in that context. So I appreciate your feedback for that. Thank you folks for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you. If you have any questions or um, want to do some more dialogue around inclusion, cultural work, leadership development, or want to know more about the transformational coaching that I do, please feel free to drop me a note through the website at semaglobalconsulting.com and uh, through the contact page, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Until then, here's to growing forward together as we all learn how to get out of debt and continue to uh, change our lifestyle so that we can get better results. Have a blessed day.